Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 37 of the Mimi B Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard, and you're listening to the Mimi B Magazine podcast, a lifestyle podcast all on health, relationships, sex, career, and self-development. This podcast is designed to entertain, inspire, and to motivate you to become the best version of yourself possible. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey guys, today I have Tyler with me. He's based in LA and he is a naturopathic medicine student. Is that right, Tyler? That is correct. Amazing. I found him on Instagram and he has such a great Instagram um, account called Functional Foods and I love everything he preaches and I thought he'd be great to have on the podcast. So welcome, Tyler. Thank you for having me. So let's just get right into it. Like, what's your philosophy on food? And do you have a story? Like, were you unhealthy and you like went through this health revelation or were you always a healthy person? Yeah, uh, great question. So I know for a lot of people, when they first, you know, when they have a health and wellness profile, I feel like, or there's usually some type of story as to how they got into this. Usually it's because they had some type of illness growing up. And so it really inspired them to maybe take matters into their own hands and lead this healthy lifestyle. For me, though, you know, growing up, I always thought I, I had a healthy lifestyle. And I was actually an athlete. So I swam for 15 years and ended up going on and competing uh, in college at a D1 level, uh, and even swam post grad as well. So being an athlete, actually, um, you know, I was started to look in my collegiate career how I could improve my performance in the most natural ways possible. Uh, So I really started looking at nutrition and my diets and how I could use my, my nutrition and what I was fueling my body with on a daily basis to improve my performance as well as enhance my recovery. And so it was kind of this self um, interest and, you know, how I could fuel my body for optimal performance that really propelled me into this field. And I'd always been into, you know, healthy eating, but it wasn't nearly to the degree that uh, I display now on my functional foods page um, to where, you know, I've really become obsessed in a good way about my health, but also from a balanced approach too. Um, And kind of my philosophy always being around, you know, there's no one diet for everybody. um, But, you know, there are some principles that I do believe in that I think are a great foundation for every person to, to start with, because there is so much confusion out there when it comes to nutrition. But yeah, I mean, really, it was about six years ago that I really started this journey for myself and really just listening to my body and learning from the things that worked for me and didn't, and kind of piecing that together to ultimately get to where I am today, uh, to where I think I really am really in tune with my body, which I think is really important. So what is your diet like today? Let's, you know, go through breakfast, lunch, dinner, what you eat, what you don't eat. Yeah. So uh, for me, I love smoothies first thing in the morning. Uh, I like something that is typically a little bit more carbohydrate heavy in the mornings just because I'm more active. I'm typically working out in the morning. So my body responds better to some more carbohydrates. Uh, I know some people like to do more fat or people are doing intermittent fasting. Um being someone that's a little bit more high strung, uh, and just being a student being very active too, my body really needs those carbohydrates. So 
I found that good balance with doing a nutrient-dense smoothie. And I typically just do the same smoothie every morning just to kind of reduce that decision fatigue. Um, and it's something that I don't when do. you mean carbs, sorry to interrupt you. When you mean carbs, you just mean like more fruit or more like, you know, coconut milk or something. Um, cause I guess some listeners are thinking carbs. Oh, that means like, you know, like bread, <laughs> you know, yeah. but a lot of people don't realize that fruit and veg are actually carbs. So what, what would be in your smoothie? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, not all carbohydrates are the same too. And I definitely, um, come from a whole foods diet based perspective where I try to minimize my processed food consumption. Um, so yeah, fruits and vegetables and vegetables in particular are my favorite type of carbohydrates, but in my smoothie every morning, I'm putting about a cup to a cup and a half of frozen wild blueberries. Um, I'll typically put a little bit of, uh, maybe some frozen strawberries. So that's more, um, sweetness to it, but also is packed with fiber and antioxidants and all this great stuff that you can find in these fibrous uh, berries. And then I'm putting uh, typically a half an avocado for those healthy monounsaturated fats and some pumpkin seeds. I'm a big fan of pumpkin seeds. Um, Mm. In Ayurvedic medicine, they've used pumpkin seeds as natural parasitic killers. They're the only alkaline forming uh, seed. They're also really high in zinc, very high in protein. A uh, woman can even use uh, pumpkin seeds and seed cycling uh, to help lower higher amounts of estrogen too, if people are familiar mm. with that. So, you know, a lot of great things about pumpkin seeds. So I put those in my smoothie every morning. Uh, I'll put some almond milk. I put uh, frozen cauliflower, which you can't taste, as well as some chopped kale. So I'm getting my vegetables in there. Um, Do you steam and- them? Like the, the cauliflower and the kale? Do you pre-steam then freeze? I have done that in the past, but to make things easier for myself, I also just buy frozen organic cauliflower. Um, Mm. And, you know, it is cheaper typically, um, but I'm sure, you know, it's cheaper sometimes than buying prepared cuts cauliflower. Um, But, you know, if you want to take that extra step, steaming and then freezing, I like to do that with sweet potatoes and butternut squash sometimes to make a Mm. more heartier um, autumn inspired smoothie bowl. Um, or something like that. So yeah, getting those vegetables in, getting in the fruits in, and then a lot of those healthy fats, and then I'll put some matcha in too, just to give me a little edge. I typically don't like to do much coffee. Um, I don't uh, do as well with uh, caffeine. <laughs> I'm very sensitive yeah, to it. Yeah, I'm trying to cut it too. <laughs> yeah, seems the perfect um, amount for me. So that's what I like to do for breakfast. It's usually a 32 ounce smoothie. It's really hydrating. It's portable. I can bring it with me to school and my school days typically can be eight to 10 hours long. So. Um, oh my gosh. Enjoyed the smoothies. <laughs> Amazing. So do you pack your lunch every single day? Cause you know, so many people say it's so hard to be healthy because you just need to prepare all the time and it's just so expensive and hard. What do you say back to that? Cause on your Instagram, all of your like packed lunches, look amazing and something I would eat. And it's pretty easy to whip up if it's just like whole food. Yeah. And so, you know, it really be, it comes back to being prepared. And if you're not prepared, you're prepared to fail. I love that quote. Um, Mm. And so really, I think it comes back to you and what are your motives? What are your priorities in life? You know, I'll hear from many people that, you know, even, you know, from a lot of people that it's very inspiring, kind of like what I put out and it has helped people make healthier choices or make the time. But then I also hear some 
of these excuses. And, and really, I just, you know, if it's not worth it to you, it's not a priority for you, you're going to find the excuse. That's my personal opinion. And we all have our own mm-hmm. priorities. So, you know, if healthy eating or eating, you know, right isn't your top priority, it's going to show. But, you know, it also at the same time, too, I don't think it should discourage you from not doing anything, but, you know, start with the small things, too. And so for me, that means spending two hours or so to meal prep on Sunday so that I am prepared for the week. Um, you know, not only do I like to eat good food um, that I know exactly what I'm putting in my body, but just fueling my body with these nutrient-dense food, it makes me feel better. I can last longer. I don't get that fatigue at the end of the day once I've been in class for six or seven hours. And I feel like it's really helped enhance my performance in the classroom as well uh, and really allowed me to do everything that I am doing uh, with managing my my page as well as, you know, being in class 27 hours a week um, and then all of the studying and other outside obligations and self-care on top of all that. Yeah, that's craziness. So, Quickly tell me, what's something typical you would meal prep for the week? Like, what's a typical lunch and dinner? Yeah, so I'm always picking four, five, six different types of vegetables as, um, you know, one of my carbohydrate sources. Um, and I'll do non-starchy vegetables as well as starchy vegetables. So some of these starchier options are going to be things like sweet potato or squash. I mean, right now in season, I've been doing more acorn squash and butternut squash which I love to do. And I'll roast those. Um, and then I'll do some like Brussels sprouts or some broccoli, or maybe it's some, some like asparagus or zucchini, whatever it may be. But I always make sure I have tons of roasted vegetables on hand um, because I love that the vegetables can add more bulk, more volume to my meal. So I feel like I'm eating a lot more uh, and it keeps me feeling really full too. And obviously there's so many health benefits to vegetables and you know, when you think about all the different diets that are out there right now that are being talked about, I think at the core of all of them, they all talk about how we need vegetables and vegetables are a vital and important part of that. Uh, granted, some of them are going to be, you know, more carbohydrate, more starch heavy and other ones are not. But, you know, I think we could all get back to eating our vegetables. And that's one thing that all practitioners, all medical professionals can agree on that, you know, we need to eat more vegetables. So that's like my first place that I start is making sure I have a bunch of vegetables and making that the basis of my templates Mm. for a lot of the meals that I have for, you know, these packed lunches. And then from there, you know, I'm just adding typically a healthy fat to that. And so for me, that's some types of nuts or seeds. I love to get creative with a lot of these um, seeds that are out there that are really high in omega-3 fatty acids such as chia seeds, hemp seeds, flax seeds, mm. pumpkin seeds, avocado, which is a fan favorite by everybody. I mean, avocado is life. I probably eat an avocado every single day, a full one. Oh, yeah. Um, I eat like one to two a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're the best. Um, and so, you know, I'll do that. And even um, making my own sauces from scratch, I feel like I there's a big difference mm. to that too. Um, and so I share a bunch of those recipes on my page, but maybe that's a homemade pesto with olive oil and truffle oil and a bunch of different mm. herbs. Um, or maybe it's a tahini dressing. Um, and then I'll maybe put a little bit of apple cider vinegar and maple syrup and some lemon juice in that. And that kind of just, the sauce really brings everything together. And then you pick, depending on what your template is, if you're 
paleo, if you're vegetarian, if you're vegan, you know, you can add in the lentils or the mung beans or, you know, a couple of uh, poached eggs or maybe that's some wild salmon, wild sardines or some organic chicken, whatever fits your template. But I felt like that really works and it's more of a um, buffet style too so that I can switch it up each day and, you know, have something that's a slightly different in composition uh, for each lunch. Yeah, that sounds delicious. My mouth is literally watering right now. (laughs) I ate dinner really early. It's like 9.15 at night in London right now. And I ate dinner at like 4.30 because I was so hungry. (laughs) And that is just like making me in the mood for food. Um, So for dinner, do you do something very similar or do you switch it up? Yeah, so I kind of have this template that I have told people about where it's – I do my, my smoothie in the morning, which is, it's a vegan smoothie. Um, cause I use a plant-based protein powder that I put in there too. Um, and then for lunch, it's typically a vegetarian or vegan style. So either I'm doing more of the plant-based like falafels or lentils or roasted chickpeas or something like that with some hemp hearts, or I will do like two poached eggs or something like that. Um, And then for dinner, I kind of like to have it more of a paleo template where it's kind of the meat and veggies. So I'll just do even more vegetables, roasted vegetables, and that's where I'll have some uh, grass-fed beef or I'll have some pastured chicken or I'll have some wild fish. And I felt like that really keeps my body most balanced um, because I was vegan actually for 18 months um, at some point in my health journey over the last six years. And Ultimately, it didn't work for me to be strict vegan, but I did find this balance that, you know, my body does thrive well when I include lots of plant matter, but it doesn't need to be 100% plants. And so I'm kind of taking like the best of like a paleo template as well as a vegan template and really blended that to fit my needs best. And so um, Mm -hmm. typically, you know, I will be having some type of source of animal protein in there, whether it be from eggs or some meat or fish. Uh, each day, but I do like to keep it plant-based or plant-heavy. Um, but yeah, that's typically what dinner it, dinner is. And sometimes too, I don't want any meat because it's a little bit heavy and, you know, it's the end of the day and I want something that's easier to digest. So sometimes like a nice nourishing, warming soup or stew or chili is really nice too. So I like to do that. Mm-hmm. Totally. I, I love your philosophy. And you know what? I actually recently interviewed Dr. Will Cole. Have you heard of him? He wrote a book called Ketotarian. Big fan of his work. Yeah, he's great. You should check out the podcast I did with him. He was awesome. Um, so I actually, I have his book and I was just thinking you would love it if you haven't already read it. It's so similar to that. It's like treat meat as more of like you know, condiment less of like the entire meal, you know, just really plant-based, like throw in all the veg there. And then if you're going to use animal protein, like use it, but sparingly. Absolutely. And I mean, again, every person's going to be a little bit different and some people may thrive on a vegan lifestyle while others won't. So it's, it's finding that balance for you. But I do agree that there is this foundation that, you know, meat should be more of a condiment. And maybe if you are an athlete or you're, you know, doing a lot more, um, resistant strength-based training where you're going to be tearing down a lot more of your muscle that you may need more of that protein. So finding mm-hmm. that balance for you, but I love Dr. Cole's simplicity that he brings to the keto lifestyle, but you know, more plant-based, which I'm a huge proponent of. And like I said, you know, I think most people can agree that we need to eat more 
more plants, especially those vegetables. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. So what do you think about dairy? Because I have such an issue with this. Like I try so hard to go dairy free and I know my body just is not supposed to digest dairy, but sometimes I'm in whole foods and I'm like really feeling some organic goat's milk cheddar. And it's like 15 pounds for like a tiny little piece. And I'm just like, I'm going to do it. It's such good quality. And like, I'm craving cheese. What do you think about like really good quality dairy? And like, should I feel bad if I eat that sometimes? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I mean, question for you too. How do you feel when you do have goat or sheep's dairy compared to cow? Do you notice a difference? I feel fine. If I have cow's milk, even if it's organic and from grass fed cows, like my stomach hurts afterwards. And I've noticed that. And if I have organic sheep's and goat's cheese, doesn't hurt. Yeah. So many people um, typically do better with sheep or goat's milk than they do with cow. One of the main reasons why is because, so the main proteins that are found in dairy are whey and casein. Um, casein is usually found in uh, more abundance compared to whey. And a lot of, you know, dairy-based protein powders that are out on the market are casein and whey-derived. Whey is going to be uh, faster absorbing in this isolate form where casein is slower digesting. But um, you're looking at the casein protein. The cow-based casein is based from A1 casein. A1 casein is a more inflammatory protein compared to the casein that is found in sheep and goat's milk, which is A2 casein. So typically people do better because they're consuming less of the inflammatory A2 protein. And that's just one aspect of it too, in terms of some of these food sensitivities to the actual protein in the dairy. The other thing too is some people will do better with, you know, cheese or they'll do even better with yogurt because it's cultured. And so when you culture it and you actually ferment it, you help break down some of the lactose sugar that is found in dairy milk. And a lot of people after weaning, they lose the enzyme lactase that is necessary to break down lactose, which is that sugar. So a lot of people have heard of lactose intolerance. That's because you're in a, in able to break down that lactose sugar. So if you're drinking you know, you know, milk that has that lactose, uh, people usually have, uh, GI issues, which is upset stomach. They have, um, you know, bloating, they have gas and a lot of, you know, GI distress. And so, um, by doing yogurt or doing cheese, typically it's, uh, less burdensome because you are breaking down that lactose as part of the fermentation process. As well as too, when you you culture these foods and you ferment them, you're making them easier to digest and you're also increasing the bioavailability so that you can get more of those nutrients out of it. Now, those are all great things, but again, it comes back to bioindividuality and that some people just, dairy does not agree with them. So that's where it's like for each person, it may be different. Um, So really listening to your body too on what works best for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I I think just generally from like the research I've done, dairy is, there's not too many benefits for the human body from what I've read. So I think I'm a bit hard on myself with that. But honestly, when I'm eating like organic and good quality sheep's or goat's dairy, I feel like I don't eat as much meat. So I don't really know. I think it's a good alternative sometimes if I want something like 
like of, of substance, you know, like something kind of like heavy, if, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And the other thing too, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up too, like quality is also very important too. And you had mentioned grass fed and it's going to be very different in terms of the composition of that dairy product when you are getting that from a cow that is grass fed as opposed to conventionally raised. Uh, because the diet really influences a lot of the byproduct of the mammalian lactation. So if mm-hmm. you are feeding your cattle, you know, corn and soy and grains and Skittles and other things, which they'll feed to cows in the United States. Skittles? That's what they give them? What? <laughs> There's a, a famous uh, article, I think this is in 2015, where there was a truck that was going to uh, one of the cattle ranches in the Midwest and the truck tipped over and, uh, it was going to, I guess it's feed for the, for the livestock and tons of candy and Skittles spilled out. And so, um, <gasps> ew, that is so weird. What the hell? <laughs> that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. I thought cows weren't like, they didn't have a sweet tooth. <laughs> and they don't. So it's like, you know, they're, they're giving these cows an unnatural diet of grains when they really should be eating grass. And because of this, it's creating an imbalanced proportion of inflammatory omega-6 fatty acids compared to anti-inflammatory omega-3s. So, you know, when you're changing that composition of the the feed, you know, it directly impacts, you know, the type of fat that that cow then is putting into the the milk that it gives off as part of its lack. Yeah, you are what you eat. Yeah. And what your animal eats. So (laughs) yeah, it's important to keep that in mind too, that it really is about quality over quantity in my opinion. Um, and so, you know, and if, you know, if, even if maybe dairy doesn't agree with you too, and you're like, gosh, you know, I know I shouldn't be eating this, that kind of thing. You know, I think it's also important to honor where you're at too and listening to what your body needs. And I think that's a super important quality to develop is being very adapt with your body and knowing what, is compatible for your body, what works best for your body. And maybe, you know, you ate something and it's not going to be compatible to you, but just knowing that this is how my body's going to react. I think there's so much power in knowing your body, your body that well. Mm. Yeah. And just being in tune with it for sure. And me personally, I think I, I definitely agree with you quality over quantity always. And even if I'm in a restaurant and I don't know if that meat is organic or I don't eat, I don't, I don't really eat red meat because I was a vegetarian for so long and I just never went back to eating uh, red meat. I kind of wish that I, I had the guts to, but I think I'm just like still a bit turned off of it, but I do eat like organic chicken and a lot of wild fish and um, weirdly once in a while I'll have like really good quality bacon if I'm craving it, but haven't had that in ages. But yeah, even if I'm at a restaurant, like, and I want to order the chicken salad or something, and I don't know if the chicken is organic or not. I just, I'll always go for a vegan option when I'm out for dinner, because I just don't know where their food is from. It really just grosses me out thinking about these factory farmed chickens or like conventional eggs and stuff. And like, just because of all the research that I've done on it, it actually becomes like a turnoff. I don't know if that happened with you when you were doing more research on health and stuff. Like I genuinely don't even crave bad food anymore because I just like it. I don't see it as food. 
Yeah, I am totally in the same boat as you. And I feel like I've rewired or reprogrammed a lot of my, um, I wouldn't say cravings, but my preference uh, towards food. And so I don't crave a lot of these processed foods, sugary foods that I once did. And, you know, I can tell too when I'm eating something based on the quality, you know, if it's, you know, of higher quality or not too. I've, I've just gotten to that point now because I've really come to appreciate high quality food. And, you know, you had asked earlier too, like, is it really expensive to, you know, eat healthy and all this stuff? And and sure, and, you know, this day and age too, it can be really easy to get caught up with the, a lot of the marketing and, you know, all these adaptogenic foods and superfoods out there and collagen and, you know, while they're, they're great, you know, not everybody needs them when you're looking at transitioning your diet and trying to make healthier changes. Um, I think it really gets back to starting with the basics, eat whole foods, mostly plants, get back in the kitchen, cook your own meals, um, and find that balance for you and make sure that, you know, are eating a varied diet that is also adequate for you and your needs. Yeah, very well said for sure. And I actually wanted to ask you, I have a cupboard full of vital proteins, collagen, like superfood greens powders and all these, you know, four sigmatic mushroom powders and like all of the great brands. And I have so many powders and like spirulina and, you know, maca and this and that, like and I like to use them, but I don't really know if they do anything. Like from your experience, what are some of these superfoods that you really love to use and actually know that it has an effect compared to the ones that are just kind of BS? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And you know what? I'm, I'm in the same boat too. I mean, I love to use a lot of these superfoods and I'm always looking at how I can increase nutrient density. Uh, but I do always try to, you know, clearly state that message too that, you know, sometimes when people are trying to make an overhaul of their diet and, and, you know, try to lead a healthier lifestyle, they think that, oh, I need to do this in order to that. And if I can't do this, then I can't do anything. And then it kind of just freezes people and they, they just don't even start. And so, you know, the foundations, which we talked about, I think are super important just to start with, but yeah, I mean, collagen, it definitely works. And, you know, I've taken collagen too. I currently don't, um, it definitely works, but I've always been somebody and I always like to think of things like, how would we have done this? Or how would we have consumed this back during the Paleolithic era before we had this ability to take something and turn it into a powder and ship it out as a supplement? Um, and so for me personally, I love to do bone broth and go to my local farmer's market and get a bunch of stock bones, whether it be, you know, beef or lamb, or maybe I'll get chicken and I'll make my own uh, nourishing bone broth, which is really great too. Now that the weather is getting colder too here mm. um, in America, and I'm sure it's getting cooler over there in London. Um, but uh, you know, bone bone broth is going to have a lot more too than just the collagen. It's going to have glycosaminoglycans, uh, which are a lot of people take too, and it's really great for joint health. Um, and so you're getting a lot of that by cooking and breaking down a lot of that cartilaginous tissue uh, with the bones. And then there's also, it's really high in glutamine. It's really high in zinc, uh, which are really great at healing the lamina propria and the gut. We hear it's really good for our gut health. 
Well, it's really good at rebuilding that gut lining. Um, and you can find all of that in bone broth too. Uh, and it's going to, you know, come with that higher protein too. Uh, I feel like there's a lot you can do with the bone broth too, other than just sipping it. You know, you can use it, uh, to base veggies. Uh, you can use it too in soups and stews. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things you can do it too. One of my favorite ways of using it is adding, uh, fresh ground turmeric to it, which is an anti-inflammatory mm. and rosemary. Uh, and it's very satisfying to me. And, you know, I kind of use it when I think I need it. I'm not necessarily drinking bone broth every single day. Um, but it can be really nice too. sometimes like maybe, you know, your digestion isn't just there and it's been a long day and you don't want to cook anything like having a, like a 32 ounce glass of bone broth for dinner sometimes is just what my body needs. And I don't necessarily need this really big meal. That's going to be a lot for my body to break down. And it's nice to just sip on something that's going to kind of give my digestive system a break too. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I was about to ask you when you drink it and how often you drink it. So yeah, it's just so, when yeah. you, when your body's telling you. Yeah, when my body's telling me and I feel like I need it. And it's great, obviously, too. I feel like with the cooler weather, um, maybe I feel like I'm kind of coming down with something and I need to give my body a break, too. I mean, if you've seen um, most animals when they're sick, they kind of isolate themselves from everybody else and they will take the time to heal, to rest, and they typically won't eat. And so many people, you know, we've been accustomed to just always eating three meals a day, three plus meals, and don't really take into account our lifestyle or stress or if we're not, if we're sick, if we're not. And so when we are more sick, you know, really putting less into our body and letting the body do the work to heal, I think is really important instead of consuming a lot of heavy food too, because, you know, one third of our, our energy goes to digestion. And so if we are eating smaller meals or more liquid soluble meals, uh, well, then we're giving our immune system a lot more energy and a lot more support to really bolster our body's healing capacity. Um, and so I'm a big proponent of, you know, if I do feel like I'm getting run down or I am getting sick, doing more of the bone broths, the smoothies, uh, the soups and things that are really easy to digest and not as taxing on my digestive system and kind of giving my immune system all that energy that it needs. So I really like to use it when I'm sick. And sometimes it's just great too for, you know, gut health. I feel like, you know, that's been sliding or I want to do that kind of thing. And it's convenient sometimes just to have that broth. And it's like, you know what, I don't have time to really make a a meal. So it may be more of a snack like meal uh, for lunch where I'm having bone broth, maybe some carrots and hummus and some um, mixed nuts. And that may be a meal for me uh, just because that's what my body needs. Yeah. So, so true. So, what do you think about refined carbs? I know we spoke about starchy veg and fruit and totally fine. Um, I do the same, so I agree with that. But I haven't had pasta or bread in like so long. What do you think? Like when was the last time you had refined carbs and what are your views on it? It's a great question. Um, so I'm somebody that has non-celiac gluten sensitivity. And so I have uh, antibodies to gluten and gliadin, two proteins that are a part of wheat. So for me, it's, you know, carbohydrates in the forms of wheat and gluten are not compatible with my body. So 
for me, I, I strictly avoid them and that makes me feel significantly better. For other people, you know, I think it comes back to finding that balance, but also trying to eat, you know, wholesome foods and looking at the context of your diet too. Like, you know, out of the 21 meals that you're having each week, you know, how much of that is processed carbs and how much of that is coming from nutrient dense whole foods. Um, because I realized too that, you know, pasta and bread are big staples in a lot of people's diet. And instead of saying you can't eat this at all, trying to find that balance for you, but also being aware too what that may be doing to, you know, your blood sugar or, you know, what are in those ingredients too that, you know, could, you know, be problemsome and that you should be aware about too. So if I were to do any type of pasta, I would always choose a gluten-free product. Um, I like, you know, eat bonza, a bonza pasta. I don't know if you have that over in the UK, um, but mm. it's a chicken based um, pasta and it's really high fiber, high protein. Uh, and I'll do that sometimes. Um, but, you know, processed carbohydrates, the issue that I do have with them, especially if you're making a staple of your diet or, the standard American diet where you're having a bowl of cereal or some waffles or, you know, a bagel with cream cheese, whenever you refine those carbohydrates and you mill the, the, them into a flour, typically you're losing a lot of the fiber. And the fiber is this really important regulatory mechanism, so to say, that our, our body uses so that when we break down carbohydrates into sugar or glucose, Fiber slows down that breakdown and absorption into the bloodstream. So without that fiber, when you eat processed carbohydrates, it's almost like a blood sugar avalanche. I love to give this, you know, analogy that it's just basically, there's no slow shuttling of glucose into the bloodstream. It's just this avalanche and it just bombards the system. And so because of that, it's your blood sugar spikes after eating that meal. It's going to rapidly increase insulin in response to that. Because insulin is a hormone that is released in response to elevated glucose levels to help shuttle glucose from the bloodstream into the cells. Because it does the body no good to have high blood sugar, you need to get it into the actual cells for the cells to actually metabolize that glucose into energy. And so when you refine those carbohydrates, like I said, it's going to be more of a blood sugar avalanche because you don't have that fiber, but you're also losing a lot of those micronutrients. And I know a lot of people now, at least in the Instagram world, I feel like it's very heavy with, you know, calories and energy density and your macros such as fats, proteins, and carbs. But I really feel like we're missing the whole important aspect of micronutrients, the vitamins and the minerals that are in a lot of these wholesome foods. That again, you're not finding in these processed foods and those vitamins or minerals are needed in thousands of enzymatic reactions in the body for proper human function from a biochemical perspective. So, you know, mm. that's where I, I kind of come with, with processed carbs, not to say that you can't enjoy it from time to time, but you know, how many people have issues with blood sugar, elevated blood sugar, insulin resistance, type, you know, pre-diabetes, type two diabetes, metabolic syndrome, you know, these are things that are so common and prevalent in the world today, and definitely in the United States. And, you know, we got to really look at the food that we're eating and how this could be impacting a lot of those things. Yeah. Okay. So my boyfriend is six foot four and will lose weight if he doesn't go to the gym at least once a week. Like he's a tall guy. He's slim and fit. Like he has a great body and he eats carbs at every meal. I'm talking sandwiches, 
big pastas and like the portions are out of control. Like he's a big guy and he eats a lot. So I like every time I try to explain to him, like, no, it's so bad for you eating all this white bread and white pasta. Like, oh, like, come on. And he's just like, but if I don't eat it, I'll lose weight. Like, this is his philosophy that, you know, he'll get skinny if he doesn't eat a lot. And thankfully, like, he's cut down on a lot of, like, the factory farm meat and stuff. And, like, when we eat dinner at mine, it's always, like, really good quality and, you know, a wild salmon and whatnot. But still, like, you know, even if I buy him healthier pastas, like, I've gotten him rice pasta or spelt pasta before, um, he likes it, but he just, he really feels like he needs that like big substance in the form of carbs. What would you say to him? Like, what should I say to him? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it also, it shows the beauty that we are all different and have different needs. And so there are definitely those people and we all know them too. And maybe this is your boyfriend. Like there's those that can just guzzle down carbohydrates and they never gain any weight. And then there's others that will like look at a pizza and they will gain weight from like, me that's like me versus my boyfriend <laughs> well, that's not fair but you know different people have different body types and I don't know how familiar you are with Ayurvedic medicine but it talks there's there's three doshas yeah. there's the vada body type there's the pitta and there's the kapha and the vada body type is typically someone that um they are full of air and they have a lot more energy uh they run very predominantly off of carbohydrates and so you know, they um, thrive off of a higher carbohydrate diet. And if you were to put someone that is a VADA-based body type on, let's say, a ketogenic diet, which is depriving the body of carbohydrates, well, that's going to put a lot of stress on the body. It's going to be more catabolic for them too. And so it's going to be breaking the body down more. So with VADAs, like they need more carbohydrates. They need foods that are going to help build the body up uh, more because they have this really high furnace type of metabolism. And so, mm. you know, not everybody is just one specific dosha either. People are usually like a vada pitta or a bit a pitta vada or maybe a kapha pitta. So there's That's what I am. Do. I'm a kapha pitta. So I literally just had Sahara Rose on my podcast. Do you know who that is? Yes, love her. Yes, yeah, so I just had her on um this week. And she was amazing. And she explained all of this and so in depth. And I'm so interested in this type of medicine now. I want to find an Ayurvedic uh, doctor um, or like someone that that studies Ayurvedic medicine in London so they can test me. I think I'm a Pitta Kapha, but I'm not sure. So I want to go get it tested, but I totally see where you're coming from. But still, if he's a Vata, okay, let's say this. If Ben is a Vata... And he can thrive off of carbs. Does it mean that it's still healthy for him? Like, I feel like, you know, white pasta is not healthy for anybody. Like, does this mean that he should just eat way more like, you know, quinoa and rice and sweet potato and that would be okay. But I I just have a problem with him eating like white shit. Yeah. I mean, I think it can be a great excuse for Vadas to kind of abuse their power and just, uh, you know, just overdo it on a lot of the processed carbohydrates and candy and desserts and pastas and breads and baked goods. But yeah, I know, you know, coming back to, you know, wholesome food and, and what I would say is doing more starchier foods too: the yams, the yuca, the parsnips, um, the squashes, you know, those are all going to be higher 
um, starches and, you know, they can do more grains too, such as the, the rice or the quinoa or the teff or the spelts or whatever that works for them, buckwheat. Um, so yeah, they're going to do a lot better and maybe they don't stick to just, you know, non-starchy vegetables. Cause some people too, when they're trying to do lower carbohydrate, well, they're just eating lots of non-starchy vegetables too. And so, you know, you can definitely still do it wrong, but then at the same time too, it's finding that, that point for you too. And I mean, sure, you know, your boyfriend could go to the, your physician and do some blood tests too. And you can look at a bunch of markers in terms of hemoglobin A1C and, um, to see what, you know, his, um, glycosylated glucose value is. So it's basically telling you like how sugar coated are your red blood cells or your hemoglobin molecules, which carry oxygen Mm -hmm. in the body. And it's a great marker too, to see, you know, is that, you know, is there more glucose that's in the bloodstream and it's not getting cleared? Uh, so certain practitioners will use that value. They'll look at fasting blood sugar too. They'll use also look at like, what's your postprandial blood sugar? So what's your blood sugar like after a meal and how well is your body able to metabolize that? And a lot of that is going to be based on insulin sensitivity to the synergicity of the meal too, and like what you're combining it with. And so, you know, every person is different, but I think you're absolutely right that it is going to definitely be better if he's sticking more towards these whole foods as opposed to the processed carbs or even maybe some of these less refined carbohydrates that you mentioned, like the spelt or the rice or the quinoa. Mm, yeah. I'm going to try convincing him. We'll see. (laughs) I think it'll be easier when we live together because I can just cook all of his food and I'll be like, eat this. You have to do it. (laughs) Uh, What? You like to cook? I love to cook. I I cook all the time. Um, He's like my, my, the guy that like, I experiment in the kitchen and he's my lab rat basically. (laughs) You'll be like, oh, that's good. (laughs) But I actually, yeah, I've always loved to cook and I'm really into the whole healthy eating and I, I don't like to eat out that much anymore. Honestly, like I, I don't know what's in the food and I love to experiment in the kitchen and make really yummy foods. I like to make unhealthy foods healthy. So for example, Ben loves Indian curry. Like it's his favorite thing in the world. So um, a few times the past month, I've made like a healthy Indian curry and it's like totally vegetable based and um, maybe add in some like uh, shrimp or something. But yeah, he, he loves it. And like he literally just loves when I cook because I make elaborate and like crazy meals that he's just so into so it's great and I like to do it as well and it's like fun for me so I've always been a little cook I love it yeah anyway we're, we're at 45 minutes almost this has gone by so quickly I've had such a nice time chatting with you I've actually learned a few things for sure I didn't know this is the one thing I've actually really learned from today's podcast, all of the like hemoglobin stuff, like for sure, I'm not going to remember. But the one thing that I'm going to remember is that, you know, I didn't even put two, two and two together. When you said when animals are sick, they go do their own thing and they don't eat. And that's how they recover, like instinctually. I like totally never like related that to humans. So it's not good to overeat probably when you're sick. Because your body just needs all of its energy to try fixing the bug that's inside of you. And that's so interesting that you said that. Because I just got over a really bad cold two weeks ago. And I wasn't that hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think sometimes less is more. 
Um, mm. It can be great to use some of these herbal-based forms of medicine too to help support the immune system. Um, but yeah, I think doing less sometimes, giving your body rest, giving you know proper hydration, um, something some things that we just see as so simple uh, can be so profound and. The other thing too is a lot of time with allopathic medicine, it's we're looking at how can we suppress those symptoms when a lot of times too, those symptoms are very, you know, fundamental in the healing process too, when we are sick. And so, you know, you talk about like fever. So when we get a fever, we're increasing our core body temperature typically because there's some type of bacterial infection and we're trying to kill the bacteria. Well, if we are suppressing it by taking some like an NSAID that's going to block the inflammatory response and these COX-2 enzymes that creates uh, a fever, well, then you're not letting the body do its job to actually help kill the invader. And so really, I think it's doing less and, you know, accepting where your body's at, doing more liquid-based foods that I mentioned, or eating less depending on your body type, and doing, you know, some of these really nourishing greens. Greens juices, I think, are great for helping the immune system. Um, but just, you know, taking a step back and really letting the body know what it knows how to do best, I think is really important. That's kind of the foundation too, for the field of medicine that I'm getting into too. It's really getting to that underlying root cause and knowing that the body and all its complexity has this inherent capacity to self heal. And for a lot of people that, you know, just can't heal a lot of the times there's these obstacles that are standing in the way. And so, Basically, the way that our medicine works and the way that I would be practicing as a physician is, you know, identifying those root causes and those obstacles that are disturbing normal function and holding somebody away from, you know, optimal health. And then by doing that, also, you know, giving the body what it needs in the good form of, you know, high quality nutrition, maybe supplements may be warranted um, and other cofactors that are necessary to support um, weakened organ systems and enzymatic pathways and that sort so that the body can really get uh, put in a seat to heal. So really you're just, you're, you're putting the body in a seat to heal um, and just watching it unfold. And so I think it, it's a very profound, you know, form of medicine and that it's, you know, non-invasive and um, less harmful too, because a lot of it is just based on the foundations of what creates good health. And, and like I said, giving the body what it needs. Hmm. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Tyler. And what an amazing conversation. I think so many people will learn so much from this episode. So do you want to tell the listeners um, where they can find you? Yeah, uh, I spend most of my time on Instagram at functional.foods. Uh, you can also check out my website, eatfunctionalfoods.org. Uh, I have over 90 plus uh, recipes. They are all mostly plant-based, but gluten-free, dairy-free, and refined sugar-free. So you can check that out. And uh, you can even read a little bit more about my story um, and how I got to where I am today. Um, But uh, yeah, those are the best two places to find me. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was great chatting with you.